Oh, what is up, skis, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the GX WrestleCast. This is episode 84 of my little wrestling recap show where once a week, except for this week, I go through all of the major WWE and AEW shows, give you the recap, let you know what's going on storyline-wise in both companies, tell you if there's any good matches you should go out of your way to check out or just all around avoid the shows. And then at the end, I give out my three stars of the week, awarding my three favorite matches that I watched that week. And if there's any major pay-per-views, I will also review those on a separate episode. So if you are new here, we're going to be doing things a little bit differently this week because I was away from my home for the week, so I was not able to watch all of the wrestling this week. Sadly, I've only watched two uh, shows. I watched Monday Night Raw and I watched Dynamite this week, so I'll talk a little bit about those. But on the docket for today, I will be talking about the big WWE releases. There was over 20 wrestlers released from the WWE over this last week. So we'll go through that list and discuss um, what what the future might hold for some of those wrestlers and so on and so forth. And if you can read the title here, I'm also going to be talking about 10, 10 dream matches that I think would be really awesome to see. Now, a lot of these would are never going to happen for reasons, and maybe some of these have happened already, but I have not personally seen them. So, going to discuss some dream matches I would love to see, and I would encourage you, let me know what, some, what are some of the dream matches that have not happened in wrestling that you would love to see. Throw them down, send an email, drop a message on on Twitter. You can go to the YouTube channel, GamerGX Videos, drop a comment over there, leave your suggestions, and all of that stuff. So, like I said, let's dive into the big releases with WWE. So, it's been a little while since WWE did one of these big purges. It was uh, getting a little too common during the the COVID era there where uh, uh, quite often we were seeing people getting released from the WWE. And it's it's never good. I mean, business is business. This kind of stuff happens on a regular basis, but generally not to the numbers and just a full-on purge of over 20 wrestlers getting released all within the same week. So, it's a pretty big purge. We'll um, we'll start from the bottom of this list because there's a lot of people here that I'm not very familiar with, but there are definitely some huge names on this list that we will get to. So we'll start at the bottom. Uh, Abdul, Abdadi, Fitzgerald, Brooklyn, Barlow, Alexis Gray. That sounds familiar, but I, I'm not very familiar with that. Daniel McArthur, Kevin Ventura, Cortez, by... by Bryson Montana, good lord, I'm okay. Quincy Elliott, I've heard of that name. Yolissa Leon, Ikemen Euro. Aw, oh, no, not Ikemen Euro. That's, aw, oh, I, I, you know, I thought maybe he would be okay. I thought, um, there's times where I thought he definitely had an image for WWE. He was colorful. He had some charismatic, um, I don't know what to say after that. Just he was charismatic. He was kind of funny and entertaining. He was the one with the jacket. And he would always have these really elaborate jackets. I thought maybe there could be something with him. But sadly, no. So uh, hope this goes without saying for all of them. I hope for the best for their future. And they can find another landing spot. And have a better chance somewhere else. We got Shanky. I recall him. I never really thought he had it, admittedly. Uh, he was a big man. Kind of a big, lanky guy. Uh, he was in some, I think he was hooked up with uh, Jinder Mahal there for a little bit. 
regardless, he kind of came in as maybe they were going to make him a monster, and then quickly he fell into the dreaded comedy role, which is never a good thing when you're in the WWE. That generally means they don't have anything planned for you, or maybe they're not liking what they're seeing. Now, it's not that I didn't like this guy, I just didn't really see anything in him, so Shanky is gone, along with Dabakato, so... This one, uh, you know, not long ago, he was just on NXT a couple weeks ago, and he lost clean to uh, Tyler Bate. Tyler Bate, maybe one half of the size of Dabakato. Dabakato is a very big man. I liked his look, and I thought he had a lot of potential. It's just they didn't utilize him very well. He would show up, and then he would disappear for very long stretches. I remember him. He was... In there at that fight club thing with Shane McMahon, it kind of looked like maybe they were going to set him up with Shane McMahon, maybe have him in a bodyguard role. They had him in a bodyguard role with Apollo Crews. That never worked out. The whole Apollo Crews uh, becoming like an African king and stuff, that just really never worked out. They tried their best to to sweep that whole thing underneath the rug. He is no longer an African king. But um, yeah, man, I'm a little bit surprised that Dabakato is gone. You know, I thought... They don't have a whole lot of big men monsters in the company right now, and I thought he could have maybe made it, but after seeing him lose the way that he lost to Tyler Bate, it just didn't look good, and I I had no confidence left in that guy after losing that way. But uh, again, this guy, maybe he falls off and he goes to Impact or something. There's, There's a great opportunity there for Impact. And we'll talk about Impact in a moment because they just had their 20 year or their 1000th episode celebration. So I'll get into that after we talk about these releases. But Dana Brooke, everybody, she's gone. So there we go. She's finally gone. I mean, I mean, it was kind of an ugly exit for her. I mean, the crowd was super against her. She's been hooked up with Kalani Jordan for a little bit. So. I thought maybe they would have a little bit of a rivalry. It looked like that's what it was going to. Kalani Jordan would eventually say, hey, that's enough, Dana, and then they would fight it out. But Dana Brooke no longer with the WWE anymore. I've never been a fan of her, admittedly. I'm not saying she's a bad person. She's just never shown it to me, man. Like, there was a couple times I thought maybe when she was kind of fucking around with the 24-7 championship with... um, Oh, God, what's his name? Uh, The dude that jumps around all over the place, and he can't... Reggie. I thought there was a little something there for like a week or two, but she could never keep that momentum going for very long, and they did not give her a lot of chances, man. They did not give her a lot of good stuff to work with. There were a couple times there that they were pushing her hard. Like, I think it was on SmackDown there. They tried, and they tried. She just didn't connect with the fans whatsoever. She's pretty boring. She'd never really had a gimmick behind her. She was just kind of Dana Brooke, like an athletic woman. She's kind of big and strong, but yeah, there was never really anything behind Dana Brooke. And like I said, man, the crowd was mega against Dana Brooke. The last match she was in, like last week, they booed the crap out of her. They're basically telling her to get out of here. So maybe those fans knew she was on her way out, but um Yeah, I'm not overly surprised with this one. The Dana Brooke, um, what do we call it, experiment didn't go very well. But again, I hope that she can find another place, another company to work for, and she can have a better opportunity. Again, I would throw at Impact because Impact, they always treat the women very good over there. So maybe we see her over there under a new name sooner rather than later. We got Monsoor has been released. uh, Let's see, Mace or Massey, uh, you know, just, I was never into those guys. They had 
I mean, a little bit there when they were doing the the fashion thing. That was pretty funny, but they never gave them enough airtime for that to get any sort of traction. And um, what's her face? Uh, she moved off and is now with Alpha Academy. So it looks like that fell through. Uh, yeah, we'll see where those guys go. We got Rick Boogs is gone, which is... Again, this one's disappointing because I really, really believed in Rick Boogs, and then he got fucking injured, and then that was it, man. Before that, he was over, man. When he had the long hair, he'd come out with his guitar, he would shred, he would do that, ah, like that big sh- It was awesome. It was really going well, and then they cut his hair, and he was just never the same. They should have never cut his hair, should have kept it long, and I thought this guy was going to make it 100%, but that injury... Really didn't do him any favors, and then when he came back from injury, it was gone, man. It was just gone. He didn't. They took the guitar away from him, and it just made no sense. So that was a mess up on WWE's part. They had something with Rick Boogs, and they just lost it. So too bad. Hoping this guy again. I I, I can see this guy showing up somewhere else. I don't think. Not many of these guys. I can. I mean, they could go to AEW. I just don't think. With the way that that company is right now, a guy like Rick Boogs probably wouldn't make a very big impact over there. Maybe go to Impact. You can make an impact there. So maybe we'll see Rick Rick uh, Rick Boogs over there. We got Top Dollar, and I think Aaliyah was also part of. Um, oh shit! What are they called? They're so bad. I hated them so much. The Not the Street Profits. They were. Hit row, or I always would call them shit row, but uh, yeah, I mean, I never liked these guys. I thought they were fucking brutal. Maybe at the beginning, I was like, okay, maybe there could, there's definitely potential with a group like this, but they quickly, quickly fell off the map. They came in as baby faces, and then quickly the fan base turned against them, and then they tried the heel thing, but it, it was just never good. The only time we would see them on TV is if. There was going to be a squash match or something like that. And yeah, I just, I never believed in Hit Row. And yeah, it looks like that is the end of that. We got Riddick Moss, who I admittedly kind of forgot was around. I uh, really don't remember a whole lot about this guy. I know there was a lot of potential behind him, but um, that's that's the way she goes sometimes. We got Emma. I, d- I don't know what the hype is behind Emma. I, I've, I've always thought she was one of the most boring female wrestlers in in around like I know she had some good moments in the early kind of women's uh, revolution days but I, I sadly wasn't watching that during that time I watched her long run in TNA impact and I absolutely just hated her there she was so bland so boring and she just her matches were fine but she would never blow me away it's not that she was a bad wrestler she had no gimmick other than wearing aviators and I just, I've never been a fan of her, but it doesn't mean that she's a bad person or anything like that. It's just, she never tickled my pickle. So we'll, we'll leave it at that. This one's a little eyebrow raising, but Mustafa Ali is out of here. And man, honestly, I was starting to get into Mustafa Ali lately. I thought he was putting on some fantastic matches. Now that was never a knock against this guy. This guy's extremely talented in the ring. One of the better high flyers. And he could put on some great matches with the likes of Ilya Dragunov, Tyler Bate. He's a great wrestler. So this guy, one of the 
one of the higher rated ones, I would think, that this guy's going to land on his feet somewhere else. And pro- he could make an impact somewhere else if he's given the proper opportunity. Because Mustafa Ali has been kind of gimmick jumping a lot in the in the WWE. He was in NXT. I believe they brought him up to the main roster. And that didn't last long. Back down to NXT. And yeah, he had a lot of... He just wasn't given a lot of opportunity. He tried his best. I mean, there was a couple times there where... He was getting pretty entertaining, like, um, when he was doing this, just very recently, like, last month or so, I thought he was doing quite well in terms of his gimmick, he was having some good backstage moments, he was being a dick, I was enjoying it, the whole, um, he was acting like a really nice guy, but underneath he was a dick, it's very common, but he was doing a pretty good job, he was in that terrible stable with Mace, and what, I can't even remember what that was, he was the the secret leader of that group and that was just one of the bigger disappointments that that didn't connect at all with anybody that fell apart very quickly but he is one of the more talented wrestlers and he's fairly young still I think so yeah I don't think it'll be well all these guys are gonna have well not all of them I don't know which ones do and don't have that six month non-compete clause in their contracts but uh, some or all of these guys will probably see somewhere within six months now we got Elias. So this is another one. Huge potential behind this guy. This guy was over in the WWE. I mean, WWE stands for Walk with Elias. I mean, that was excellent. I was a huge fan of his singing uh, segments where he would, though it's very simple and it's been done time and time again, where someone's going to come out and just kind of trash talk the city that they're in. But he he was musically talented. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he just goes on to be a musician because I believe his dad was the honky-tonk man. You can correct me if I'm wrong on that one, but he's... I don't know if that album was legit or if that was part of the gimmick, but he released an album under the WWE. And he's good, man. He's got some talent on the guitar. He was kind of the reason why I thought they took the guitar away from Rick Boogs because they didn't want to have maybe two guys under a very similar gimmick. But I thought they would have made a great tag team. They could have had a great rivalry for who gets to have the musical segments on the show week, week in, week out. There was a lot of potential behind these guys. And Elias, great look. He was jacked as fuck. Didn't get to see a whole lot of his wrestling. I mean, he was very kind of just... There, he was fine. He wasn't bad, but he never had a banger match or anything that I could recall. Uh, He was a little bit plain in the ring, but it was all about that gimmick, man. He had a great gimmick. He was behind with the crowd. Loved this guy, man. Like they were, he was one of the more over guys during the little bit of a quiet time where they were really, really struggling to find someone to get over. And Elias was one of the one of the more over guys in his prime there with the WWE. So. Um, it's sad that it's over because, again, this is another guy that I believe went down with injury and he just kind of never got the, got it back going. And really, they never really gave him all that much of a shot ever since he kind of disappeared from TV. So this could have been something uh, in the makings for some time right now. But I'm very sad to see Elias go. He was one of my favorite segments on in WWE over the last little while. And I don't know if he ever had much title success. He may have had a United States Championship in there. But regardless, one of the better gimmicks uh, that they've had in a little bit. And that Walk With Elias thing, that was brilliant. And I enjoyed his run. So I'm, I'm looking forward to see where Elias ends up. Maybe we see him on the big stage. And he's going to be selling millions of records one day. Now this one's very personally sad to my wife and I. We are huge Shelton Benjamin fans. I love Shelton Benjamin. 
I'd say one of the most underrated WWE wrestlers of all time. This guy is excellent. Now, I will admit the gimmick, uh, the personality, maybe it didn't always connect with the WWE audience, but I loved gold standard Shelton Benjamin, bro. That was a really fun heel run for him. I enjoyed that. The time that they brought out um, his mom, which wasn't his real mom, but that was a fun little moment there. And of course, I mean, Shelton Benjamin still probably the greatest money in the bank competitor I've ever seen running up the ladder, doing running up the ladder sideways, doing the flip over. No one has done it better than Shelton Benjamin. He's got some of the most iconic moments in WWE history. The super kick in midair from Shawn Michaels is just ingrained in my brain. Not only because it was in the intro for Raw for years and years because it's just such a sick moment. One of the greatest athletes, I mean... He was in the world's greatest tag team with Charlie Haas, Kurt Angle. That shit was dope. Shelton Benjamin's in the, been in the WWE since early 2000s, man. He's been there for a long time, and I've been a fan of him the whole entire time. He's now he's he's had I would say it's one of the one of the more successful runs in the WWE on this list. He's won numerous tag team championships, numerous Intercontinental and United States championships. No, he never got the big one. There were some chances there. I, I Maybe sometimes when I wasn't watching necessarily, but I imagine he's had a couple world title shots. Never got the big belt, but he was definitely one of the more prominent mid-card guys out there. He could put on a match, a good to solid match with just about anybody. Great in-ring competitor, and I'm going to miss Shelton Benjamin, man. I'm happy I got to see him live. Um, on the pre-show, I think it was at Raw. When I went to Raw with my wife, we saw him on the pre-show. We went fucking nuts and fucking good on Shelton Benjamin. He could easily retire. He's had a great run and uh, I'm going to miss him, man. Shelton Benjamin, fuck yeah. I love that guy. Speaking of love that guy, we got Dolph Ziggler. The Zig Zig. Oh my goodness, Dolph Ziggler finally released from the WWE. And this one I'm hoping is good because the WWE... Just another guy right here. He's going to go down as one of the most underrated, underutilized guys in the WWE. What a waste at uh, some moments with this guy, man. I mean, he did win the World Heavyweight Championship in his prime and in his, in his highest moments in the WWE. He did get to claim a world championship. I believe a two-time world champion. I don't think he, I don't know if he got the WWE Championship, but... He's won just about everything, man. He's won Intercontinental, United States, Tag Team Championships. And, I, I mean, we've all... We all know Dolph Ziggler, man. He's the freaking one of the greatest sellers. He is so good at selling. He will, he will make anybody look like a million bucks. And maybe at the detriment to his own WWE career. Because that's what he ended up getting utilized for more often than being the main guy. He had his shot, and I thought he was good. He was popular, great look, amazing in the ring. I mean, I don't think he's ever had a bad match. So freaking good, man. At times, I thought he could be the next Shawn Michaels. He could be one of the next amazing, incredible workers in this company. And, you know, he was. It's just that he didn't get the respect. He didn't get the recognition throughout his run. And I'm hoping that he can, wherever he goes, if he goes to AEW, if he goes to Impact Wrestling, goes to Ring of Honor, he goes to Japan, wherever he goes, he's gonna he's gonna have some heat behind him, man. Not in a bad, not bad heat, good heat. He's gonna have great momentum. He's gonna be a big name coming from the WWE, a former world champion in that company. And everybody... I think everybody feels that Dolph has been not necessarily wronged, but just not utilized to his full potential in the WWE. This guy, 
should I mean, oh, they've they there should have been so many big moments for Dolph Ziggler. He's had some, but fuck, man, I'm a, I'm very very excited to see where Dolph Ziggler lands. I, I would love uh, just because I watch Impact quite a bit, and they can use they could really use another big main event guy, and I could just see Dolph Ziggler coming into that company and immediately going into the world championship race, and fucking away he goes. He's got a great mic skills underratedly really good on the mic man he's entertaining as fuck it's just they have not given this guy a gimmick to work with he's been gimmick copping for years and years now so Dolph Ziggler more than anybody on this list I hope so much success comes your way man because goddamn, you have just been an absolute treasure and I'm a little bit relieved and happy that you're finally getting your release from the WWE I mean I know this guy's gonna land on his feet and he's gonna be fantastic wherever he goes and last but not least, this is a very surprising one. This one I just learned uh, this morning, actually. Matt Riddle is been has been released from the WWE. Another guy right here. I thought this guy had... Since I first saw him in NXT, I was like, this guy could be a world champion in the WWE. And fuck, man. Just didn't happen. Now, I think maybe there's a little bit of a personality issue. Maybe he was rubbing some people the wrong way backstage. I mean, I've heard of... Some, you know, some issues going on with Matt Riddle back there. And um, very unfortunate, man. He's um, he's a difficult one because he kind of is that comedy guy. He's very, very funny. You know, you look at him, you, you know this dude smokes weed, like, all the time. He, he does not shy away from that fact. Um, you know, maybe this guy could have been the next RVD, right? Like, he definitely had some potential behind. I was a big fan of this guy. He had some incredible matches in NXT, especially. I can't recall if he ever did get that NXT World Championship down there, but Riddle, man, I, I thought this guy, when when he was focused and, and fully healthy and everything, this guy can put on excellent matches. I mean, I was blown away by this guy. He has a UFC background, so his matches were very, they could be really stiff at times, and, and fuck, man, he's just very good in the ring, a natural. Like, he's one of those guys that, came into the WWE and you're like, yes, there's something here. Absolutely. I, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of, um, those backstage backstage segments where he would kind of fumble his words. I remember that one time where he was backstage with Oscar and he just fucked up his lines and he just walked off and it was a little awkward, but the guy always, you know, it's tough, man. That one's a tough one. Matt Riddle, the gimmick, it, I, I knew it wasn't going to take him far. He would have to change at some point if he was going to be taken seriously into that world championship uh, pool. But, I mean, just recently we saw him teaming up with Matt, or, uh, Drew McIntyre, the Glass Bros, and, you know, that was kind of... I don't know if that's necessarily a sign that uh, maybe he was losing some steam in the company because he was just continuously getting into tag teams, and I always envisioned Matt Riddle way better as a as a single competitor. And we, we saw that that beautiful team of Randy Orton and Matt Riddle and Randy Orton got hurt and we I still don't know what the future is for Randy Orton if he's ever coming back or not but that right there there was huge huge potential behind that with the Randy Orton endorsement they were bros it was RK bros like it was it was awesome so who knows if Randy Orton never got hurt where would Matt Riddle be right now would we have had that uh falling out between Randy Orton and Matt Riddle and Matt Riddle comes out at the end of that rivalry as a main event player with a completely new attitude. Who knows? But uh, sadly, he's been released. One of the more shocking, surprising ones that I've seen in a little while. But 
I do kind of understand, like I said, I don't think he was necessarily the most popular guy back there. Um, so we'll see where that goes. This I could see him making a good impact in AEW because AEW does pretty damn good with guys that are funny but can but can also wrestle. You know, I'm not saying he's going to become the next Orange Cassidy over there, but there's a lot of guys I can see him working really good with, like fucking... Uh, Ricky Stocks would be really good. He could fit in very well in that mid, mid-range mid uh, TNT championship kind of thing. He could fit in very, very well right there. And like I said, he's a fantastic wrestler. And yeah, I, I think Matt Riddle will definitely land back on his feet. Maybe he goes back to the UFC. And I know that's probably not likely because uh, he didn't have a good relationship with Dana White. And if you piss off Dana White... Yeah, yeah, you generally don't get back in his good books. He's not like Vince McMahon. If you know the doors never necessarily shut with Vince McMahon, uh, yeah, money t- money talks, but Dana White not so much. So maybe power slap, I don't know. But Matt Riddle release. So those are all the big releases right there. That's all that I have on this list right now. If I missed some, my apologies. Let me know if I missed any. But what do you guys think about those releases? I mean, I feel like WWE's had that problem. Even AEW is getting into this problem now, where they have too many big names and there's just not enough time and space for everybody now wwe they admittedly waste a lot of time they could use their time a lot better and have more matches and use their wrestlers properly instead of having you know like 40 percent of their three-hour programming being self-promotion replays recaps and and you know uh just stuff that's not worth our time and they could be using that time for wrestling matches and trying to get guys over and yeah they just they uh, there's a few guys on that list there that should have been world champions they should have been way bigger in the wwe but they didn't use them right so hopefully someone else uses them properly and i'm excited to see where these guys land gonna have my eyes out there on the landscape of the wrestling universe and we'll see where some of these guys land Again, let me know where do you think some of these people land and maybe where where do you think the best fit for some of these guys would be? Like is Dolph Ziggler, is he the kind of guy you see being very successful in AEW slash Ring of Honor? Maybe New Japan? Could he go over there and just go crazy, put on crazy matches like Will Ospreay and um, Zack Sabre Jr.? Like, oh, oh my God, that would be creamy. I would cream. So... Be interested to hear what you guys think about the recent releases in the WWE. It's always sad, you know, people losing their jobs, but they're all very talented. They're probably going to land somewhere else. So we'll see how that goes. So with that being said, let's let's swing over to something a little bit more positive. Uh, TNA, Impact Wrestling, whatever you want to call it. I, I still personally kind of call it TNA because that's, that's where it started with me. I started watching TNA Wrestling... Probably back in 2005, 2006. It was slightly before Kurt Angle arrived in the company. And I remember, I remember that show. That was such a big deal, man. Like, I remember, I was maybe, I don't know, 12 years old or something like that. And when Kurt Angle showed up in that company, I thought, uh oh, I thought the WWE was in trouble. And I was very wrong about that. But man, TNA, they've definitely had their ups and downs, and their downs were pretty bad at some point like I at some points I was shocked that that company is still going uh, the Dixie Carter era and all that stuff I tapped out with TNA a, a long long time ago mostly because it left the the it was it used to be on Spike TV and then they moved so I wasn't able to keep up with it all the time but man there was some amazing amazing stuff that TNA was doing back then and I think by far the the most the best thing that they were doing uh, that WWE was not doing during those days was their women's division. The knockouts division in TNA slash Impact was amazing. And I would sit there and watch 
WWE programming and watching these women, you know, just being utilized, uh, I guess, disrespectfully. I mean, it'd be very common to have bra and panties matches and lingerie matches where there's no wrestling involved whatsoever. They had a very common thing where they would hire women that really had no wrestling background or anything like that. Now, some of those women became diamonds in the rough, like Trish Stratus, Michelle McCool. Those women came in very, very green. And, you know, Michelle McCool especially, I I saw no future with her, but she kept working at it, man, and she fucking made it and good for her. But I would turn on, what, every Thursday I'd turn on TNA and bam, there's fucking awesome Kong. Mickey James got over there and she's been huge. Gail Kim, I mean, the front runner, front runner of probably the leader of that knockouts division during that time. She made such an impact in that division, man. She was huge. She's probably, you know, right there with Mickey James and Gail Kim as, as the most legendary female wrestler in that company. And then Awesome Kong, man. Awesome Kong. Oh, I loved her so fucking much, man. I loved watching her, this, what, 200-plus pound behemoth, just dominating. And her rivalry with Gail Kim was awesome. And that by far, thank God I was watching the, the knockouts division because, I mean, I always believed in the women's division. And I was always, always disappointed in the way that WWE was treating their women and the matches that they put on were just so bad sometimes man I mean the the playboy bunny pillow fight like what the actual fuck was that shit it sounds so good on paper but you watch those matches they're so bad and the women are are uncomfortable and how can you blame them like oh my goodness look back on on, on the women's division from like 2008 till what 2016 before the revolution it was dark those were the dark dark days but thankfully there was a little bit of a light over there in impact wrestling with their knockouts division i watched their 1000th episode uh anniversary show they had the women all come out all the the legends of uh previous days the only one that i didn't get to see was fucking odb man like where was odb at she was so outrageous she was almost like this, the female version of Stone Cold Steve Austin for them. She fucking come out drinking, drunk half the time, whooping some ass. She was very, very entertaining. Christy Hemi came over there and shit, man. There's there's a lot I know I'm missing. Oh, the beautiful people were there. Now, admittedly, I always hated them. I fucking hated them. Still hate them because they were basically the embodiment of everything wrong with the women's division in WWE and... But they're still very talented, and that was just their gimmick. They did their gimmick very, very well, and they're still doing it today. And fuck, man, just so much respect to TNA Impact for what they did for women's wrestling. Probably still don't get enough appreciation for what they did. I mean, so, so ahead of the game in terms of what WWE was doing. So big, huge shout-out for the Knockouts division in TNA Impact. Still one of the... Ah, I still challenge that it may still be the one of the strongest, if not the strongest, women's division in wrestling right now because I don't know, they they give them their time, man. Like they've always shared the ring with the men. They they it's been pretty damn fair over there. So again, huge respect for that. And I love seeing Awesome Kong, Gail Kim, fucking Mickey James. I haven't finished off the other half. There it's like a two-week celebration. So there was one episode and then the next week they're doing another one. So I haven't finished that one off yet. And then, oh my god, dude, like how many 
the the X division. I mean, what can I say about the X division? Uh, cruiserweight wrestling, luchador wrestling. That's basically what really grabbed me when I started seeing Rey Mysterio and like Chavo Guerrero, Eddie Guerrero, Paul London, and all those guys doing the flips and stuff. I was like, hell, now that's what's up. And X division was basically their cruiserweight division. And when I first started watching in about like two thousand. 2003 cruiserweights were a pretty big deal especially on smackdown they had the cruiserweight championship but quickly lost steam and eventually they got rid of the cruiserweight division entirely which just fucking killed me because i love cruiserweight wrestling it's it's amazing but then i always had my my x division and you got chris saban aj styles uh, kazarian fuck man there's just so many good guys in the x division and it wasn't always just about the weight limit it just they tended to be the the smaller guys but oh my god ultimate x like how many freaking in, incredible moments did i see in, in in ultimate x they just had one uh for that show um geez alex shelley they're so a fucking shark boy man um oh oh what's his name fucking Loki, Loki. oh my goodness man i know he's been a little up and down with some people but i remember that being a big deal for him shit dude x division was amazing and like i said when kurt angle showed up that's when like i was like oh fuck and samoa joe man samoa joe by far my favorite guy um right there with aj styles like uh early aj styles when he was in the x division like before he became a world champion and especially during those really shitty days where they were treating aj styles like really not good they were not making him look good the man looked like a big bitch and I was really actually kind of happy for him when he did come to the WWE because, yeah, they weren't treating him very great over there in Impact sometimes. But, oh, watching AJ Styles back in the day, man. Oh, doing the flips and, oh, my God, that guy was absolutely stunning. And Samoa Joe. I love Samoa Joe. Abyss. Uh, the Dudley Boys. Fucking LAX, man. I loved LAX. Uh, beer money there's oh my god tna man impact when it was good it was amazing i used to i loved it but yeah it did get dark but i'm so happy that they made it to 1000 episodes because that's just the company that didn't give up they just wouldn't give up no matter how bad it got sometimes remember the the main event mafia when they brought back all the old guys you got like a fucking 70 year old rick flair hulk hogan and like it was just not a really good moment back then and I was not watching during that time but my wife I think it's that's her favorite company right now still is Impact Wrestling she loves it went to a live show this year it was awesome um it was one of the more it was definitely by far the most personable show because I was so close to the wrestlers I got to talk to some of them Bubba Ray Dudley healed on me so did Moose so that is probably as of right now my most memorable and probably favorite wrestling show that I've gone to was Impacts because it was just more personable and seeing someone like um Oh, what's her name right there right now? Trinity. She is absolutely crushing it over there right now in Impact. She's the current women's world champion. And yeah, she is doing a great job over there. One of the ones that she escaped from the WWE. She literally just fucking walked out from that company. And she has been fantastic for Impact. Arguably, maybe their most popular uh, wrestler on the whole roster right now. So she's doing fantastic. And again, just a huge congratulations to Impact Wrestling for one thousand shows and here's to a thousand more it's going to be a long time till we see episode 2000 but i'm blown away that they got to 1000 what 
what an achievement. I mean, that, that is such an understatement to say I'm only on like a, a hundred and something episodes of this podcast and I, I, 800 more. That's a quite a daunting task, but maybe, maybe I can do it too. So there you go. If you're watching, if you've watched TNA in the past, you're a TNA impact fan, let me know because I, I watch that. I just, I don't review it. Cause that's, I need to have a break. I can, I like to just be able to watch a show without taking notes, but I watch impact most weeks. So yeah. Impact Wrestling. All right, enough rambling about all that stuff. It was kind of fun going down memory lane with uh, with the TNA stuff. Admittedly, when they were showing off some of those uh, those uh, video packages of, of of just the last what fifteen years of, I, I got a little choked up. Didn't cry. Got a little choked up. That's it. All right, let's move into ten dream matches that I think would be a good time. So. Let's kick it off with a pretty interesting matchup right here. I got Orange Cassidy going up against The Undertaker. Oh my god, can you imagine? Now this it, that this one could have been potentially a disaster because the styles of these two wrestlers are so drastically different. But it could also be one of the most brilliant things that have ever happened in the ring. Orange Cassidy, one of the one of the most unique wrestlers I have ever seen. I have honestly probably the most. I've never seen a guy mix comedy, pure passion and dedication and intensity like Orange Cassidy does. The guy can have me on the edge of my seat one moment and then dying laughing the next moment. This guy is incredible. He's got one of the best just most unique gimmicks I have ever seen. I mean the hands in the pockets, the 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 sunglasses the no the no fucks given attitude of this guy and that recent championship run that he just went on one of the best I have ever seen in my life I don't think he's ever put on a match under a seven out of ten this guy is spectacular and then on the other end the Undertaker one of the most legendary well known wrestlers in the world he's been around since. Well, fuck, if you want to go way back, like the 80s when he was in WCW and shit, or way before that. But regardless, the WWE, we know him as The Undertaker. Now, this goes to, to, to say with all of these uh, potential dream matches, I'm going to have all of them like in their prime. So it would be like Orange Cassidy right now versus... It depends what you call your favorite Undertaker. Me, personally, I, I loved the 2004 to 2008, 9 Undertaker because... He just like revitalized himself where you thought maybe he was running out of track and bam, he just had like another fantastic 10 years left in him with probably the best matches he's ever had. Those two Shawn Michaels WrestleMania matches, the two, the two WrestleMania matches against Triple H. I mean, he was just on another level and he even admits at that time he should have retired probably 15 years prior to that and he just kept going and going. But you can have, you know, Attitude Era Undertaker. You can have American Badass Undertaker, though that's that would probably probably be the best one to mix them with because that would be if you ha- like I don't think you would want the like OG 1990 Undertaker because that one's he's a little slow and clumsy and he's you know kind of under mind control. So me personally, I would go with the like 04 brand new dead man with with a little bit of that american badass in there so he can he can you know imagine orange cassidy doing the kicks and then you have the undertaker just stand there and then like orange slowly stop doing the kicks and then he just you know and then he goes off and the undertaker man oh that would just be 
I would love that mix. You got the big giant six foot ten Undertaker versus the what five five ten Orange Cassidy. The speed versus the big man. I think it would be amazing. So that is the first that is the first match that I put down because I just thought that mix would be. I would pay big money to see that in the ring. That would be outstanding. So the Undertaker versus Orange Cassidy. That is my first one on the list. Number two. Now, these are in no particular order. It's not top 10. It's just 10 matches I would die to see. Next up, Kenny Omega versus Shawn Michaels. Oh, baby. So, again, all depends what kind of what prime Shawn Michaels do you want. Do you want the rejuvenated Shawn Michaels of 2003, where, again, he started putting on more of the best matches of his career. But even 1996 Shawn Michaels was amazing. He just had a bad attitude. And then Kenny Omega, man. Oh, my God. What can I say? Probably the greatest all-around wrestler. It's tough because he is getting... I wouldn't say he's on the back nine yet, but he's getting up there. But all said and done, he is going to go down as one of the greatest wrestlers, one of the greatest in-ring performers of all time. The guy's amazing. He's put on almost as many five-star matches, maybe even more than Shawn Michaels. But these guys are like the five-star match kings right here. And I would love to see these two go up against each other. I would probably go Shawn Michaels heel and then Kenny Omega as the good guy because I think Shawn Michaels is just... Uh, one of the best heels of all time. If you want evidence of that, look up like the 2005 or 2006 promo Shawn Michaels did when he arrived back in Montreal. That is some of the best heel work I have ever seen. And he was doing that off of the cuff of his seams. Like he was just going for it. No, nothing written down. He just went for it. Natural talent, just pure talent. And these guys by far have some of the most amazing in-ring talent. Shawn Michaels, it's been said time and time again, the guy can put on a five-star match with a broom. And, you know, the same thing gets said about Kenny Omega. So I would love to see these guys in a match with each other. Put it at WrestleMania where Shawn Michaels shines the brightest. Put it in the fucking Tokyo Dome if you want for Kenny Omega to shine his brightest. It's an instant five-star classic, no doubt. And, oh my goodness, I would love to see it. Sadly, we're probably never going to see that. Shawn Michaels has laced or put away the boots, and he's already, you know, he's came out of retirement once, he's already said that he regretted that, probably the biggest regret in his life, so very, very doubtful we'll ever see that match, but oh my goodness, would I ever love it. Next up on the list, we got Kurt Angle going up against Owen Hart, oh my goodness, so this one very much so could have happened if we did not have the tragic passing of Owen Hart. Um, if you don't know about it, Owen Hart passed away uh, with an in-ring accident. He was uh, playing, he was under a gimmick called the Blue Blazer, where during his entrance, he would get dropped down with a, uh, what do you call it, like a cable. They would drop him down. Sadly, the buckle uh, malfunctioned. It released him very high in the air, and he came crashing down on top of the metal turnbuckle, and sadly, he passed away in the ring. And Owen Hart, one of the most tragic endings to a career that could have been. We, Owen Hart could have, should have been the world champion at a point. And um, probably, again, one of the most underrated wrestlers. Some people think he's a better wrestler than Bret Hart. I can't 100% say that because I didn't, I have not watched all of Bret Hart's matches. He was a little bit before my time. And Owen Hart, obviously, before my time because I didn't, I, I wasn't watching wrestling when he was alive, sadly. So, But I have gone back and watched some of his classics, especially Bret Hart versus Owen Hart. 
all time, all time right there. And his matches against Stone Cold Steve Austin, of course. But Kurt Angle, one of the, he's got to be one of the ones with the just most natural talent. He came into the WWE immediately, (laughs) was just excellent. And he is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. He's got some of my favorite matches of all time against my favorite wrestlers. And I think Kurt Angle versus Owen Hart would be incredible. The technical skill on these two would just be out of control. Like what 2003, 2004 Kurt Angle versus 1995-94 Owen Hart. Holy fucking shit, dude. That would be incredible. And Owen Hart, man, personally, I think he was the better all-around package because he was just he was able to be funny. I mean, well, I'll never forget. I am not a nugget. My wife and I say that at least once a week. It's one of the funniest things ever. Owen Hart even backstage, he was one of the most beloved guys. I know people may not like him so much for breaking Stone Cold Steve Austin's neck, but shit happens sometimes. And um, But Owen Hart backstage, one of the most beloved guys. A little prankster, so funny. So many good stories about this guy. But in ring, one of the best, most technically sound guys. And we were robbed. Honestly, we are all robbed, obviously, of Owen Hart's full potential and career. We didn't get to see him as the world champion, which I think... I can't say guarantee, but I would imagine at some point we would have seen Owen Hart, a world champion in the WWE, and fuck, if that became, you know, for the World Heavyweight Championship, WWE Championship, WrestleMania main event, Kurt Angle versus Owen Hart. Absolutely. I would love to have seen that match. Next up, we got Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh, hell yeah. I can't do a Stone Cold right now. My, I do a better Stone Cold when I'm sick. Stone Cold Steve Austin versus... John Moxley. I mean, do we really need to go much further than that? It will be a false count anywhere back backlot brawl and it would just be disgusting. I mean, I don't know what Stone Cold to put in there. Probably pre-neck broken Stone Cold would be the best. I mean, Stone Cold still had a incredible run. Obviously, his his best run was after he broke his neck, but only if he, if he just didn't break his neck, who knows what he could have done with a fucking healthy neck, but I'd go like 95, 96 Stone Cold versus, oh fuck, who knows? Moxley is killing it right now, man. So I'd go with the John Moxley, AEW Mox. Bring out the forks, bring out the blood. It would be a bloodbath. It would be one of the greatest brawls you've ever seen. And Jesus Christ, could you imagine the back talking between these two? The promos that these two would put on against each other. Oh, I could, I literally have shivers right now. I got goosebumps just thinking about the promos leading up to a match. And then it would just be an all out brawl. It'd be one of the greatest brawls you've ever seen. I would have loved to seen Steve Austin go up against John Moxley. It'd be, I think John Moxley is the closest thing we've, we've gotten to a Stone Cold Steve Austin since, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Moxley. He's his own version of Stone Cold right now. Just badass to the bone. And what a man, what a man. And I would love to see that match. Next up, we got one of the obvious ones that we were absolutely robbed of, Sting versus The Undertaker. And this one should have fucking happened. I cannot believe they blew that. Sting finally, finally came to the WWE after years and years and years and years of saying, nope, not going, not going to do it. I'm not going to let them ruin my career. And they did just that. He goes to the WWE. He was there for two fucking years and you guys didn't give us the one match we wanted. You gave a stupid Triple H versus Sting. Nobody wanted that. And no offense to Seth Rollins, but nobody wanted that. And then he ended his WWE career and we were robbed of Sting versus The Undertaker. So, yeah, it goes without saying we 
desperately need that match. Maybe it could happen. Sting is still wrestling in AEW today, and he's still... He's an animal. He's an absolute animal. He goes through tables. He is taking ridiculous bumps for his age. And he's still he's still got it, man. And The Undertaker, I know he's retired now, but oh my god, if he could just show up for one night, do it in Japan, do it somewhere, but give us Sting versus The Undertaker, please. It's still, it's getting late, but it's not too late, so please, let's do it. Next up, we got a tag team match. Edge and Christian versus... The Young Bucks, TLC. Oh, fuck yeah. I mean, throw in the Dudleys and throw in fucking FTR for that one if you want to. And we can have an old school TLC match WrestleMania style. But if I can only pick two teams, I would like to see Edge and Christian circa 1999, 2000, when they were top of the top of the world tag team and have them go, go up against the Young Bucks. And I think that would be spectacular spectacular especially in a TLC match the things that the young bucks can do in the ring with their springboards their high flying it is mwah, beautiful and then the bumping the the crazy innovation of Edge and Christian back in the day fuck and not only that Edge and Christian back then were super funny super funny and the young bucks they can they could take a joke too and i think that would just be an outstanding Standing tag team match and especially TLC so that that's an instant five-star classic right there next up Triple H versus MJF oh the ultimate heel versus heel that would be great even though I know MJF is not a heel right now he is arguably the biggest baby face in wrestling right now but oh my god the you talk now we talking uh the the reign of terror triple h like 2003 to 2005 2004 triple h where he was king heel the biggest asshole on tv you get these two going up against each other in a promo battle i i don't i, I think there would be a legitimate punches thrown there would be some real fucking heat behind this one because I I could 100% see these two personalities not not getting along in real life whatsoever and MJF is one of the one of the best I have ever seen at blurring the lines of reality and entertainment and Triple H could definitely cut a fucking promo in his prime and matches you know I've never been the biggest fan of Triple H matches they're always super long and slow but they they ramp up into something pretty good. And MGF, I wouldn't say he's exactly like Triple H in the ring, but I wouldn't call MGF the best wrestler in the company. Maybe not even a top 10 wrestler in AEW right now, but entertainment-wise, by far, he is he is top tops in the business. Promo-wise, tops in the business. And right now, he is one of the most popular guys. He can do no wrong. Everything that he does is gold. And I would love to see Reign of Terror Triple H go up against MJF. That would be sick. Next up, we got another tag team match. And this one also features the Young Bucks. But I want them to take on the Usos. Now, I want Usos Penitentiary Usos, where they were just fucking cutting sweet promos. They were super aggressive. Always putting on awesome tag team matches. The only problem was is that there wasn't a lot of amazing tag teams that the Usos could take on. I mean, there's only so many times that they could fight the New Day, only so many times they can go up against Street Profits and so on and so forth. I would love to see these guys go up against the Young Bucks because they're arguably, you know, 
The Usos are kind of the young bucks of WWE. They do a lot of super kicking. It would be a super kick fest. It would be absolutely banana. And little cherry on top, why not throw them in a ladder match? Because that why, it, ladders make everything better, and I would love to see that match take place. Probably the best tag team in WWE in, in like the last decade or two. Like, they're definitely... Probably, I'd say probably easy in that top five best tag teams in WWE history at this point. They are very, very good and rarely put on a bad match. So I would love to see the Young Bucks take them on and see who can come out the winner of that one. Next up, we got another Shawn Michaels. It's Shawn Michaels going up against Adam Cole, baby. Arguably, a lot of people make the comparison of Adam Cole and Shawn Michaels. So why not put them up against each other and see who's the showstopper and all that great stuff. The icon, or well, I guess the icon is Hulk Hogan. But anyway, they kind of look the same. Again, I'm probably going to throw in like 1996, 97 Shawn Michaels, maybe on a good day where he's, you know, having a, he's in a good mood and everything. And then Adam Cole, you, oh, baby, God. I think, I mean, honestly, Adam Cole is not at his best today because MGF is just, you know, he's stealing the spotlight. But M- M- I mean, Adam Cole, dude. Jesus, he is so good. I What he did in NXT with the WWE was outstanding. I I loved Adam Cole, man. He's such a good wrestler. He's got so many good moves. He's a great promo. He is the full package. And I want to see him go against the full package of the WWE and Shawn Michaels' ultimate promo. I want... Ooh, who should be the heel on that one? I do I do kind of prefer Adam, Adam Cole the heel. Ooh, that's a tough one. Okay, I'll switch it up. We'll go Shawn Michaels, babyface, Adam Cole, heel, and we'll see who would win that match. That would be spectacular. And then last but certainly not least, the match that a lot of people are still clamoring for, and we probably should have it, had it, but we didn't. Ric Flair versus Steve Austin. Now, some people might say, hey, what about Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan? Well, Technically, that match did happen quite a few times, just not under the WWE banner. So I'm going for Ric Flair and Steve Austin. And that one might have happened too, but I don't think it did. And if you have, Jesus, what what Ric Flair do you want? I think you got to go with like NWA, woo, wheeling, dealing, jet flying, kiss stealing, all that stuff. Ric Flair versus top of the line, 1996-1997 Stone Cold Steve Austin. The promos that would go on. And can you imagine like... The personality difference here. You got the everyman, the common man, the blue collar, working hard, Stone Cold Steve Austin. I'm going to drink my beers and flip you off, tell you go fuck yourself. And then you got Ric Flair, like I said, jet flying, wheeling, dealing, son of a gun, all that stuff. Money bags, spending, lavish lifestyle, all the bling, the gold, the women. It would be incredible, man. Oh my God, if only. So that is my final match of my 10 dream matches. Let me know which one you would like to see the most. Let me know what your dream match is if I didn't already list it off on this list. But any of those 10 matches, I would pay good dollar for to see. And sadly, I don't know if any of those could happen. There's a, some some of them on this list that could, could potentially happen. Like Edge and Christian versus the Young Bucks, that could potentially happen. Because there is the rumor that Edge may go to AEW after he is done with his contract in the WWE. Christian is already over there. He's already doing shit, so why not? That one could potentially happen. Other than that, I don't think any other one I could see here is going to happen unless The Undertaker wants to come out of 
retirement and join AEW, we could have our Sting Undertaker. We could potentially have Orange Cassidy Undertaker. But yeah, there a lot of these are very, very big long shots, but that's why they're dream matches. So again, everybody, let me know what you think of the dream matches. What do you think of TNA and their 1,000 episodes? And let me know what you think of the most recent WWE releases. And apologies for not having the recap this week. You know, sometimes you just, you can't keep up with all the wrestling every single week. So this is my one time I'm going to miss the recap, hopefully for a very, very long time. We'll be back on track. But just a couple of notes about what has gone on in wrestling this last week that I saw. Monday Night Raw, my big concern is, like, what the fuck are they, like, Cody Rhodes and Sami Zayn forgiving Jay Uso is just dumb. And Kevin Owens calling them out on that was great. Like, I'm I'm all for that. I just, I, I again, I think they're, they've like overshot it with the Usos and now it's gotten to that ridiculous point it's like they just keep switching teams and yeah you have Cody Rhodes and Sami Zayn forgiving him it just makes no fucking sense whatsoever so that is a big complaint of what was going down in Raw and then AEW we had a really really weird moment between John Moxley and Ray Phoenix for the international championship we had Ray Phoenix winning the championship but I have a lot of questions about that so at the end of that match uh, Ray Phoenix hits Moxley with a, um, what do you call it, like a blue thunder, or no, uh, he hits him with fucking something, okay, and he drops him on his head, referee, referee, one, two, and then he makes it, he says it's a two, but Moxley did not lift his shoulders up, you hear a conversation between, there was so much talking between that match, man, like, Ray Phoenix, Moxley talking a lot in that match, and loudly, and the referee <clears throat> didn't count that three, and it sounded like Moxley said rather fuck you to the ref or he said that's two and then Ray Phoenix just does the move again drops him on his head pins and new champion so I feel like something fucked up right there I don't know I don't know 100% yet but that match like right off of the gate like Moxley uh Ray Phoenix jumps off the the stage and he lands on Moxley's head and it looked like Moxley was just knocked the fuck out like he definitely looked like he was concussed Right out of the gate, something was wrong with that match. So if if you know what the hell went on with that, was that supposed to happen? Didn't look like it was supposed to happen to me. It kind of looks like they made the call on the fly that, you know, the referee fucked up right there. That was 1,000% three. And my thinking is if they just decided to go with what maybe was the original finish of Moxley winning, if Moxley just got up and planted him with like a Death Rider and then won, everyone's gonna look back on that and be like that was a three bro like your shoulders didn't move an inch and the referee just fucked it up so i don't know if they just called an audible and and mox said hit me with it again and we'll give you the championship fuck it and yeah so i'll I'll keep my eyes out on that one for sure but yeah that was definitely a very very weird situation we had the world title match uh, uh mgf versus samoa joe that was a lot of fun Oh, I thought Joe had it there for a second. I was, ah, that would have been a lot of fun. But yeah, um, that's pretty much all I wanted to say about what was going on this week. And uh, yeah, I'm going to finish off some more wrestling and uh, we'll be back with the regular recap schedule next week. Everything's going to be back to normal, I hope. And uh, I'm home now. And yeah, we're going to start recording things back on the regular 
schedule. So again, thank you everybody for your patience and and all that. Hopefully this top 10 dream matches and and a little bit of a TNA uh, retrospective is, is good enough to hold you over for a week or so. And again, we'll be back with the regular scheduled programming next week. So thank you everybody so much for listening. You can watch these on YouTube, Gamer GX videos. Links are down in the description. Leave comments, send in questions, rate the podcast, please. And thank you. You're so awesome if you do and already did. And we will be back again with some more GX plus guest.